Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Here we are at midweek. Some much-needed rain moving this across the center part of the country. About every conversation I hear right now starts with the uh, the question, how much rain did you get? Everyone asking, wondering. I know here where I'm at, Jacksonville, Illinois, West Central Illinois, amounts are varying, but uh, we're getting rain and more in the forecast. So uh, hopefully if you need it, uh, it's coming your way as well. Coming up on our program today, we'll talk about these key topics. A lot of things coming to a head right now with immigration, with farm bill, with trade. We're going to talk with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Take a look at the uh, the economic situation of these trade tensions and what it's costing farmers now and could potentially cost them. Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation will join us to talk about immigration. We're looking at a couple of uh, immigration uh, bills in the House to get voted on this week, and we'll see if how they address or put off dealing with agriculture and the egg labor force. Then Sean Haney from Real Agriculture gives us a Canadian perspective on what's going on with trade. So all that coming up on today's program, but let's start it off with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Let's start with immigration. Uh, are we going to get those votes in the House uh, soon? Well, it looks like we will get the votes in the House, uh, but it's possible that both the bills may fail. But the big issue is whether that will satisfy the Freedom Caucus so then they will agree to move ahead with the Farm Bill. And it looks like they will. Yeah, I saw one uh, story saying that uh, Chairman Conaway thinks uh, the Farm Bill could move very quickly after those immigration votes. How quickly do you think that could happen? Well, he's saying it could be, it could be tomorrow or it could be Friday. One of the issues that he faces is when you hold votes in the House on Friday, sometimes some members have left town, and he needs every vote that he can get. Uh, So it's possible I'm going to be monitoring. I'm just going to go to the Hill tomorrow morning, and I'm going to plan to stay there all day, expecting that there will be these immigration votes and then possibly a farm bill vote. And if there isn't one tomorrow, then on Friday... Because they face a problem if they don't do it by Friday, then they're uh, right under the rules to hold a revote uh, expires, and they have to figure out what they're going to do next. Yeah, and if it's Friday, you better be Friday morning because afternoon's Friday. They're out of town, a lot of them. Yes, technically they're supposed to be here till three o'clock on Friday, but r- rarely is that the case. And yeah. so that's the that's the schedule. So, yes, I would imagine it will be Friday morning if it is Friday morning. Yeah, you want to see a lot of members of Congress hang around uh, Reagan National Airport around uh, noon on, on Friday. You'll see a lot of them. Yeah, and it also it depends on how far they have to fly, too, especially those that have that have to make connections. They, they really want to get out of here on Friday afternoon. And often the House is not in session on Friday, but this week it's scheduled to be here. Okay, we're going to be talking later in the program with Paul Schlegel with Farm Bureau about uh, the immigration uh, bills. So what we're hearing, neither one of these really address the ag labor situation. They're going to put that off and supposedly take that up as a separate issue later in the summer, which it, that sounds kind of risky to me uh, as far as getting something done. So uh, these bills, what, what do you think, what's in here, what's in these bills, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Well, the, uh, I think in terms of ag labor, 
nothing. And I don't think anything will happen later this year because the the other immigration advocates will not agree to support a bill that only deals with ag labor. Uh, they want a comprehensive uh, a comprehensive package. Uh, one of the bills that they're going to bring up would do a lot to protect the the, the kids they call the dreamers. Uh, the other bill, the one introduced by Congressman Goodlatte, uh, is a bill that would restrict legal immigration. And so uh, I can't say for sure about the Dreamer bill. It might pass. Uh, the other, the Goodlatte bill is unlikely to pass. The other issue that we've got going on, of course, is what happens. Do they do anything to deal with these uh, children that are being kept in these cages uh, n uh, near the border? The, the public outcry over this is huge, and that has really become uh, the the biggest issue of the moment, uh, but of course that's di you know, that's different from long term immigration policy. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. It is such a huge issue right now for the country. Uh, well, it has been for some time, but now back on the front burner and in front of everyone uh, each and every day on the news. Uh, it, it would seem, though, Jerry, and, and you alluded to this, separating the ag labor part of the immigration bill out of it to a separate bill that's like uh, separating the, uh, the farm bill from the nutrition title we you know that we try not to let that happen because we feel it makes it hard to get a farm bill passed it would kind of seem to be the same thing here you you take ag labor out of the immigration overall immigration bill it's going to be hard to get the ag labor portion passed yes that's uh, uh, that is that is right uh, you can you can think of it either way. It's hard to get the. It would be hard to get the immigration bill passed without ag labor in there, and it's hard to uh, uh, you know, and it's hard to pass an ag labor bill on its um, on its own. Um, uh, but I have to say that the moment uh, for uh, for the agriculture community in Washington, uh, the biggest issue is these trade conflicts. That's what everybody is so uh, everybody is so upset about it, especially. Uh, after yesterday when the soybean price went went so, went down so low. And President Trump shows no sign of backing down. In fact, he's more apt to double down than back down. Yes, yes. And the, and the agris keep saying everything that they can to him. Now, this morning, the Commerce Secretary, Wilbur Ross, is testifying before the Senate Finance Committee. And Ross has become sort of famous for, for holding up a can of Campbell's soup and saying, well, it would only go up maybe a penny, in, uh, you know, or something if, you, if, if uh, these tariffs go on. Um, and uh, uh, Senator Hatch, the chairman of the committee, has attacked him for taking that position today. And if, what's really funny about this, of course, is that he held up a product whose sales are going down anyway. There's, you know, soup is one of the canned soup is one of those things that American consumers are not buying so much of anymore. So. Uh, it wasn't a very a very good example for him to give. But if consumer prices start going up because of the trade spat with China, then it'll start getting more attention from people. Yes, yes, definitely will when it starts affecting uh, your average consumer, uh, and especially if it doesn't do much for actually uh, creating jobs in the steel industry or whatever. Now, President Trump just doubles down on this. Today, he is headed to Minnesota to hold a rally in Duluth, which is the, you know, the heavily industrial area of, of uh, Minnesota, with hopes that he might take Minnesota in 2020. 
So, but, so he just keeps campaigning in these old industrial areas where there are lots of problems because that's where he has the strongest base. But the analysts keep saying he's ignoring the rest of the people, particularly the independent voters, who are uh, less likely to go along with these, uh, with these ideas of his and are more worried about export industries. The latest story we've got today is that the ports in California are worried about a decline in exports and also imports, and that this may cause layoffs of, of dock workers and of, of truck drivers. So this could have a much bigger impact on the economy than we've heard about so far. All right, Jerry, thank you for being with us. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Coming up next, we'll talk with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. You need a car, been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. 
Antonio H. told us, great company. Got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We are waiting to see what happens with the immigration vote and then on to the uh, farm bill in the House. And latest on where we think we're at on this uh, farm bill in the House, Freedom Caucus Chair Mark Meadows saying late last night that he thinks he'll have enough Freedom Caucus votes to get passage of the Farm Bill when it is taken up. And that is expected uh, yet this week, as we just talked about with Jerry Hagstrom. And um, that, of course, if if there is the uh, vote on immigration legislation, which is expected very soon. So it looks more and more like we could have that House Farm Bill passed this week. We'll see if it plays out that way. Chairman Conaway saying and telling reporters it'll be tight. We'll do a nose count to make sure who all is going to be there Thursday and Friday and what makes the most sense when people will be here. So as we talked about with Jerry Hagstrom, they have to figure out when to have that vote, when they'll have the people there that they think will vote in favor of it. Timing is very important on that. So we'll be watching to see how that plays out. So... um, it's going to be an interesting week for sure with uh, all that is going on here uh, with both the the immigration vote and the farm bill vote in the House and, of course, in what's going on with all the trade situation as well. So we'll keep a close watch on this as it uh, plays out in Washington, D.C. And this immigration issue is just huge and it is uh, so emotional and has really starting to dominate the coverage now so um, we'll see how it all plays out but this immigration vote is going to be interesting because from an agricultural standpoint we're we're looking at uh, would there be anything in there for ag labor and it appears that's going to be separated out as we've been telling you so the the vote this week may not address that although it may uh, move the farm bill process forward we shall see we'll talk more about immigration a little bit later on with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation and what's in these bills and and the overall situation as it pertains to agriculture. Of course, trade is the other huge issue right now. The ongoing uh, problem with China, the back and forth with tariffs and retaliation and where we stand there. Uh, China's response to the president's tariff threats now totaling more than $250 billion worth of Chinese goods so far has been to threaten similar tariffs back on U.S. imports of soybeans, aircraft carriers, and other products as well. Um, So we're waiting to see. It's kind of this back and forth, back and forth. Beyond these boycotts, uh, Chinese regulators could use anti-monopoly and counterintelligence laws to uh, try to make things difficult for U.S. companies. 
So there, there are just so many different layers to this. Let's bring in Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist. Scott, uh, thanks for joining us. As you look at this situation now, and even though some of the tariffs don't go into effect till uh, it, we get into July, we know there's economic harm, economic damage being done to farmers right now. We see the markets reacting. Uh, have you been able to put any kind of um, uh, numbers to this and, and what it is costing farmers and what it could cost farmers moving forward? Uh, well, we're making kind of you know, rough estimates. Uh, part of the problem in making those kinds of assessments right now, Mike, is that we are obviously having a very good um, June in terms of weather and the conditions of crops, and that's also driving down prices. So you have to disentangle those two. Mm-hmm. I think in soybeans that's easier to do than in corn, uh, in soybeans, we've seen new crop prices drop, depending on when you measure them, about uh, 18 to 20 percent uh, since the trade issues really, it was clear that they weren't going to uh, be resolved quickly um, or maybe be resolved at all. I think that, you know, the market is just trying to assess things. So we've seen that 20 percent drop in prices, and I think you know, probably 80 to 90 percent of that on soybeans is due to the trade fears. I mean, we know that as markets try to adjust to changing information about crop size, they just don't drop like this. That's the first thing that you see. When soybean prices have just dropped off a cliff, you're not going to do that if you think the soybean yield has gone up a bushel or two. So, we see the reaction now, and that's before the tariffs fully kick in uh, July 6th in, in many cases. Um, looking forward, I mean, I, I, it's hard to see a winner in this, and it's hard to see a resolution right now. Maybe it's just the darkest before the dawn, but uh, the potential moving forward, what do you see there for agriculture, Scott, if this turns into an all-out trade war? Well, I think that First off, Mike, we should recognize that the markets are already pricing in an all-out trade war, and we're feeling the effects of that right now. I mean, a 20% drop in soybean prices is huge. I mean, that's now the difference between uh, making some money in soybeans and now losses for everybody in the United States producing soybeans, most likely. So uh, I think the thing that is most concerning to me is the political signals out of the Trump administration right now is that the so-called trade hawks are firmly in control of the policymaking process. They believe they have a stronger hand than China does in these negotiations. But the problem is, clearly, China believes they have the stronger hand. And so it's hard to see how this gets resolved, so to speak, peacefully. You have two giants going at it, neither one of them wanting to back down or even look like they're they're backing down. Meanwhile, we have a Senate finance hearing going on uh, this morning, and, you know, we, we keep hearing how... Uh, they're going to, the administration says they're going to take care of farmers dealing with losses from, from trade tensions and trade fights like this. But it's hard to see how, how they really could do that. Scott, do you, ha- do you have any clearer picture on that? No. 
know, all they can do is tinker around at the edges. When price drops 20%, are they going to make up the 20% on the entire U.S. production of 4 billion bushels? Doesn't seem likely, does it? No, I mean, nope. they're trying to do a farm bill now, and they're and they're trying to find money for existing programs just to keep what we have. It's hard to imagine that all of a sudden they they have the money to make whole or or help out uh, any in a significant way that to overcome that kind of a loss. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, you know, to make up the difference right now. Uh, you know, where's the are they just going to start writing checks to soybean farmers that total roughly $5 billion? I don't think so. Yeah. So we wait and see on that. We're talking University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Scott, we're also waiting to get from EPA, we, we think maybe this week, their, their RFS levels uh, for 2019. Of course, that while we wait for those numbers, and they may be, you know, what would have thought to have been pretty good, we still have the backdrop of these uh, RFS waivers, which would uh, diminish or undermine whatever numbers they release. Absolutely. Uh, we know that there's waivers for 2016, 17, and 18. Someplace, the guesses are uh, 1 to 1.7 billion gallons. And the key piece of information that was announced, uh, not announced, but what Director Pruitt, in visiting with farmers last week, said that the EPA doesn't believe they have to reallocate those small refinery waivers uh, to the larger non-exempted refiners. Uh, what this means is that the you're basically waiving the mandates year after year by the amount of those small refinery waivers. Um, and so there is clearly uh, some amount of uh, ethanol and biodiesel demand destruction going on from the small refinery waivers without sounded, the allocation. Yeah, I would say it doesn't sound like they're going forward with reallocation. That doesn't seem to be in their plan. No, and their reasoning, as I understand it, you know, just reading uh, press reports, is that since we don't know the small refinery waivers in advance of an annual rulemaking because they can't issue the waivers for 2019 until they get applications in 2019. Therefore, we don't have to take them into account when we um, make our projections for 2019 rulemaking. That's, I believe, the argument that they are making, and they think that's legally sound. Uh, but I regard that as completely bogus and specious argument, arguments out of the refining industry because the entire EPA annual RVO rulemaking is one giant exercise in projection. Right. Well, that's Scott, we got to go. Yep, that's right. Okay. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist. We'll talk immigration next on AOA. Stay with us. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. 
UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For the grain and oil seed sector, after trying to stabilize in the overnight trade, losses creeping into corn and soybean futures once again. An hour into the trading day, two and a fraction lower in corn, six to seven lower in soybeans. At one point on Tuesday, soybean futures had lost more than 7%, hitting their lowest point since March 2016. Tariffs or no tariffs, many farm sector followers believe the time will come when China will have to import U.S.-grown soybeans due to the sheer number of hogs, chickens, and other meat animals that China raises. South American producers can't meet all of China's full demand. November, new crop soybeans extended the recent market slide on Tuesday, but we did trim the losses into the final bell, closing in the upper third of the very large daily range. November beans oversold technically leaves the market vulnerable to a correction, maybe consolidation. On the upside, initial resistance lies at 934, a low so far on the day. November soybeans, $9 and a quarter cent. The Trump administration has completed its review of a handful of the thousands of requests filed seeking exemptions from its steel and aluminum tariffs. Not the word from Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross before the Senate Finance Committee on this Wednesday morning. For livestock at the Merck, cattle futures rallying once again. Live cattle 50 to a dollar 25 higher. Feeder cattle 65 to a dollar five better. Lean hog futures more minus signs a dollar 22 to a dollar 95 lower. The Dow is down 21. S&P 500 up four. Crude oil up 83 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
Welcome back. Well, we all know the immigration issue is front and center again. It's a very emotional issue, a very controversial issue. Uh, the House expected to take up a couple of immigration bills this week. But as we've been talking about, as we look at it from an ag labor standpoint, it looks like they're separating out the ag labor part of it for a possible vote later this summer. Let's talk about it with Paul Schlegel, Managing Director, Public Policy and Economics for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Paul, thanks for joining us. So is that right? The, the bills will take up in the House this week on immigration will not deal with ag labor? Uh, well, you're almost right. Um, as we understand it, the, the two bills that will be up tomorrow, uh, one is a bill introduced by, actually they're both introduced by Bob Gildat, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. One was introduced in January. That contains provisions uh, of what's called the Ag Act, which does deal with agriculture labor. Now, I do have to tell you and your listeners, you hear rumors like almost hourly that they're taking the ag out of the bill they've not taken it out of the bill it goes back and forth and i can't tell you how many times in the last couple of days i've been asked that the last we have heard is that the bill that will be taken up tomorrow contains the provisions of the ag act that were introduced in january so i think that's what we're expecting but again the rumors continue to fly around well, that's somewhat encouraging that uh, there's a chance it could still be in there because what we had been hearing is that they're going to separate out the ag labor part of it, take that up at some other point uh, almost as a standalone, which made it very uh, shaky to think it might get the attention and the votes that it would need on its own. Uh, so if it's in there this week, what would it uh, what would it include and how would it help uh, the ag situation? Is it what we is it a fix or a partial fix or how would you look at it? Well, if you're confused, don't worry about it. You're, you're, not, you're not alone. Um, you are actually correct that um, later in July, the House leadership has promised uh, some members of Congress they would have a standalone agricultural bill that is expected to come up. They have not said what that bill will be, but I think the expectation is that it would be the Chairman Goodlatte's Ag Act, which again was considered last October in the Judiciary Committee. Now, this gets a little complicated and it's un- unfortunate, but it's the legislative process. The, the bill that the chairman introduced that may be voted on tomorrow will have provisions that relate to agricultural labor. Some of those are very positive. It would establish a new H2C program. It would be run largely by the Department of Agriculture instead of the Department of Labor. It would be more flexible for growers. It would be open to, to dairy and other sectors that currently don't have a program. So there are good things. But but there are some things that fall short of what we have we feel we need. The chairman over the last several months has negotiated certain changes, but those changes are not going to be in order because of parliamentary decisions. So, again, this is confusing. There will be some stuff on the floor, but I think most of agriculture is waiting to sit down after these votes take place, and those these votes are mainly driven by the dreamers and the children, um, and we'll, we'll work on a, a, on a broader package that we hope will be more uh, uh, responsive to our needs sometime in the month of July. So I apologize, you're right, it's confusing, but that's kind of what's going on. Okay, now, I earlier in the show, I, I kind of described it as, or is it similar to, if you take the ag labor part of it out of this immigration bill and try to do it later as a standalone, isn't that right. like taking uh, 
separating the nutrition title from the commodity title in the farm bill and trying to get a farm bill passed without it would be tough. That's, what, well, that, doesn't that make this tough, too? Well, um, I can't say you're wrong. Um, uh, the, what has been uh, a factor that over which we have no control is, is that the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, um, when this whole issue was kicked off last September, when President Trump said he was going to uh, address the DACA, that's the children, the deferred action against childhood arrivals question, Speaker Ryan has said kind of from day one he does not want agriculture mixed in with that issue. That's been where he's come from. So that has been the position of the leadership. So when the decision or the agreement was made last week that the Speaker would take up a separate bill, you are right. It, it, it is. Uh, it makes things maybe a bit more challenging because there we're, we're isolating agriculture, and we're asking members. To, some members are not as familiar with what goes on in, in farm country as others. So you are right. It, it, it is a challenge, but that it's not of our making. It's we we have to live by the decisions that are made by the congressional leadership, and this is one in which we probably would prefer to have. Um, be included uh, in a more meaningful way, but that's outside our control. So what you do is you you take the the hand that you're dealt and you do the best you can. So that's what we're going to do. We're talking with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Paul, and again, we're looking at the immigration issue from the agricultural standpoint. We know there's a, yes. it's a much bigger issue. But uh, for the sake of this discussion, we're looking at the ag- labor part of it. Um, Give us an update on the situation. Have we lost even more workers uh, out of fear of crackdown or, or you know, has it gotten tougher to get the workers into this country or are they more fearful about trying to come in? What is the situation? Well, I, I think what, what you've identified is, is, is what we hear from our members is it's getting increasingly tough to find labor. and. When you have an atmosphere under which there's apprehension about enforcement, um, that makes the workers that much more unlikely to, say, move from job to job. So the pressure is greater. And I think no matter whom you speak to, whether it's in dairy or specialty crops or what have you, I think everyone is apprehensive, and they're finding it tougher and tougher to get workers. So uh, that, that, that there's no question that that is out there. And to be honest, there was a story in one of the trade publications in the last day or so under which they said the administration was going to try to get tougher on enforcement uh, as the year goes by, and that's only going to make things worse. Hmm. And uh, the situation uh, as far as the raids we've heard about taking place, I mean, we look at dairy operations uh, very tough for them sometimes to find the labor or or keep the labor they have and and, and admittedly we know there are some there are Ill, a certain percentage of illegal uh, workers in the ag workforce right well yeah and let me clarify because this is an important point uh, that I want your listeners to be aware of when we talk about illegal workers it is the law today it is the law today that uh, an employer a farmer when somebody comes to them and applies for a job and they hand them the papers the i9 process requires the, the the farmer cannot question those documents if they appear to be reasonably genuine the law requires the employer to accept those if they appear genuine now we're not document experts and people know that so 
it is true the people that get hired are not authorized to work but the farmer the person doing the hiring is following the law they're not breaking the law and that's the system we're trying to get changed to say look we need a program that assures the the uh, a farmer that his worker is legal and he has access to them and it's affordable and flexible that's what we're trying to change so so you're right that that the the uh, uh, a sizable percentage of our hired labor is not authorized to work in the U.S., but that's not the fault of the grower. That's the law that we're trying to change. It really puts the farmer in a tough spot, right, uh, to, very much, to follow oh, very these rules so. and, yeah, and try to, uh, to get a good workforce and keep that workforce. It makes it very difficult. Absolutely, absolutely. It, 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 and, and we've been we've been trying to hammer that point away to uh, policymakers for 20 years, actually. The, the first ag jobs bill that was introduced by Gordon Smith of Oregon was in ju- July of 1998. And we've tried to hammer away the fact that you're putting a, a farmer in an untenable position. You're saying, number one, you have to accept these documents, and if you don't, you can be sued, not only by the individual, but by the federal government. And number two, if you don't provide us a program under which there's a certainty that they can get the labor they need when they need it at a price they can afford, you're making us dependent on a broken system, and that's not right. Paul, one of my favorite sayings is, don't fail to do something because you can't do everything. And I think that applies here. What we've seen over the years, a failure to fix the ag labor situation because it gets caught up in the overall immigration debate, and we can't find that solution for the overall policy of the country. So the ag part of it gets caught in that uh, lack of action or lack of uh, uh, successful uh, conclusion and nothing's getting done or not enough is getting done. You're you're absolutely right. And and what you're pointing at is what we have been uh, trying to get members to focus on. There's a there's a series of questions. There's the border wall. There's the chain migration. There are the four pillars the president talks about. There's E-Verify. There's a whole slew of questions, and and it's a big chunk when you try to get Congress to enact it. But what we're trying to say is, look, we want to fix our system, but if you can't do everything, at least do something, which is exactly what you're pointing out. And there may be some tweaks to the current H-2A program that would make it you know, better. Number one, if they could open it up to dairy, because dairy doesn't qualify, mushrooms doesn't qualify. Let, open it up to year-round agriculture jobs. That would be an important point. If they could give us a longer visa term, if they could give us a housing voucher, those are three changes which, if we could get at the end of the day, we may not get everything, but that would be important and attract exactly what you're saying. Yeah, even if you can't fix it completely, at least make it better. I mean, you have right. you can do that, right? Yeah. You can they yes, they can if there's the willingness to do it. Now, it's it's always tough, you know, some people, you know, there are other sectors of the economy whether it's the high-tech sector or even the the H2B program, that program, that is a seasonal, it's non-ag but seasonal temporary. They have a cap of 66,000. And my gosh, those people are, they're in a world of hurt. They just can't get the visa holders when they need them. And uh, we care about that as well. But, but if we can get some relief and give farmers and dairy and other places a program they can then retreat to and have workers, that would be an improvement. Paul, thanks for your time. And we'll talk again after we see what uh, the House votes on gets done this week, okay? Good. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the update. Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right. We'll talk with Sean Haney from Real Agriculture in Canada next on AOA.
If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, 
don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Interesting conversation we just had with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation. So uh, contrary to reports that there's no chance or there's no way that the ag labor will be a part of the immigration vote this week in the House, that it's going to be a totally separate to vote somewhere down the line this summer, Paul says there's still a chance that there could be some ag labor aspects in what is voted on this week in the House. It's just a fluid situation. We have to wait and see. But as we talked about, it's just frustrating that the, some of the things that could be done to improve the uh, ag labor uh, situation, those things are not being done, caught up in the overall impasse on the, the, the larger immigration issue uh, for this country. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, we've talked about trade. We've talked about farm bill. We've talked about immigration. It it just it's almost like uh, I I have this picture of a juggler juggling chainsaws because all these things are up in the air right now with so much potential damage and in some cases already damage being done. Let's talk about it now with Sean Haney from Real Agriculture in Canada. Sean, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. With you. Um, what is the Canadian uh, view of what's going on between the U.S. and China? Uh, well, I think overall concern, right? So I, I think this latest step, uh, the talk about an additional $200 billion in tariffs on Chinese imports, which essentially I've, heard, I've seen some people say it, it could be interpreted as basically an import ban. Um, we've seen a significant drop in soybeans, which, of course, is a major concern to our, to our growers in Ontario I think there's concern on how do we get to the finish line here without too much collateral damage to to agriculture. And uh, I, from the Canadian government standpoint, they are supporting the U.S.'s quest here to bring some reform to the trading relationship with China. Uh, but it really, I, I'm not. They have they've been rather quiet on the strategy and the methods that the U.S. is using to get to that finish line. And uh, we're watching, uh, I guess, very, very closely here. Yeah, and that's the point we keep making. We understand and acknowledge there are areas that need to be addressed and fixed. It's just the uh, the damage being done in the process of getting there, and is this the right strategy? The president yesterday, President Trump, in a speech talking about how much he loves farmers, I'm thinking, well, it's tough love at this point because of uh, what we're seeing in the marketplace. Yeah, and, you know, and 
there's more to all of this is the fact that, you know, we've seen soybeans, for example, drop uh, quite considerably that is almost equal to the tariff. So, you know, sort of tariff what tariff. Um, and, and so the other part about this is what kind of compensation is going to be provided because there's more talk about that again where there could be compensation to U.S. farmers for some of these losses and trying to fix some of these trade disputes. Well, that creates a whole nother chain reaction. And I, and I know this administration doesn't put a lot of value on the WTO and, and some of the rules based on the global trading rules, but there's going to be a whole bunch of WTO challenges if all of a sudden there's this very, very clear uh, increased subsidization to U.S. farmers based on some of these things. So th- this whole story is not is not complete yet. And it's really, really causing a lot of havoc, not just in the markets, but in some of the trading relationships, especially as we're trying to complete and fix this NAFTA arrangement. And that's really kind of got down to a bit of a crawl. Yeah, it is hard to imagine the administration can come up with the money to uh, compensate for all these losses. And as you said, even if they do, then you're going to run into all kinds of WTO problems. Well, let's talk about NAFTA, because yesterday the president in his speech again reiterated doing one-on-one deals. Do one with Mexico, do one with Canada. How's that playing in Canada? Uh, Well, not very well. You know, Canada is, of course, uh, has has been connected to the hip with Mexico trying to keep this very much a trilateral deal. And I think that's been a real piece of frustration for this U.S. administration, that Mexico and Canada have really kind of stuck together. There was a real expectation, I believe, that uh, the U.S. thought that Canada would really kind of be more on the U.S. side on some of these issues, especially it applies to to labor standards. And, and so here we sit, and uh, we have had some positive comments. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said on Monday some very positive comments. He was talking about we would have a deal within weeks. Uh, we had Christia Freeland, our foreign affairs minister, on Tuesday uh, talking about how there's a, there's a lot of momentum and there is potential, and you know, she's speaking positively. But I, I think that if we look at the battle between the U.S. and China, that should give us a bit of an indication that there's not much willingness here to compromise. And until all three parties in, the, in, in NAFTA, U.S., Mexico, and Canada, until all three parties are willing to budge and compromise on some of these issues, we're going to be right here forever. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean to be exaggerate, but there has to be some compromise. And if we don't have compromise, this deal is just not going to get done, and we're going to be definitely into 2019 at the same stage. Yeah, it's like everybody's waiting for someone else to blink. It's almost yeah. this huge game of chicken going on. Well, exactly, and and that doesn't lead to to getting the deal done. What, one of the things that you know, President Trump has his strategy. Everybody talks about the art of the deal, and and it's it's it has. Uh, we're I guess the jury is still out on whether or not it works in negotiating trade deals. But one of the things that it forces because there's so much focus on winning and of course he likes to you know sort of we thought of the north korea uh, summit very 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 much claim victory it creates a lot of domestic political pressure in places like canada and mexico for the the governments to stomach the boasting and then also sell it domestically because uh as, as the longer this goes and the more the friction develops between the three parties the harder it is for the domestic government to sell it to their people that Hey, don't listen to the president. We got some good things here too. That 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 becomes more and more difficult. It's a huge challenge because of the way it's set up publicly. 
people in the other all the countries are going to be skeptical, and especially I would think in Canada and Mexico. If if the U.S. likes it, if Donald Trump likes it, then why we must have got the short end somehow because he wouldn't have agreed to it otherwise, right? Yeah, I think so. But you know, I guess the other argument to that too is is that a lot of people see the president's strategy for what it is. Um, you know, I, I think we saw a lot of the reaction out of the North Korea summit where people were like, you know what, this is a really good first step. Is denuclearization completely happening? Is there any, do we need to stop worrying about this? Right. Well, of course not. And people take it with a grain of salt. And I think we're, everybody's, the, the strategy is very transparent. Sean, as always, thank you. We'll stay in touch. As uh, this, It looks like this will go on for a while, so we'll stay in touch. Thank you. <laughs> for sure, Mike. Thanks a lot. John Haney from Real Agriculture. All right, that wraps it up for today. Interesting conversations. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for being with us. Join us again tomorrow on AOA Adams on Agriculture. <music>